sit down, Benjamin. Mrs. Robinson, if you don't mind my saying so, this conversation is getting a little strange. Now, I'm sure that Mr. Robinson will be here any minute now. No. What? My husband will be back quite late. He should be gone for several hours. Oh, my God. Pardon? Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no. What's wrong? Mrs. Robinson, you didn't... I mean, you didn't really think I'd do something like that. <laughs> like what? What do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. For God's sake, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> here we are. You got me into your house. You give me a drink. You put on music. Now you start opening up your personal life to me and tell me your husband won't be home for hours. So? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to, because sometimes, let's be honest, you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. I would say the movie that we're doing today probably shouldn't uh, be probably rebooted. Doesn't, <laughs> probably doesn't fit into today's culture, or any culture. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, with me as always, Kenna Trent. Kenna, how you doing? Oh, uh, you know, I'm doing... Pretty good. I feel honestly a little triggered. Oh, I know. <laughs> after watching this movie, you know, I saw this movie uh, years ago, and it really didn't bother me as much as it no. really bothered me. Yeah. Today, um, guys, today Ken and I are going to reboot the 1967 Buildings Roman. Do you know what that means? Coming of age story, The what? Graduate. Yeah, it was in like the Wikipedia page. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that word. I'm going to steal it. Buildings Roman? Buildings Roman? I forget what is that? It just, it's a fancy way of saying coming of age story. Oh, yeah. hmm, interesting. The Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman, Anne Bancroft, Catherine Ross, and Murray Hamilton. Directed by Mike Nichols. Famous for this movie as well as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Closer. I. That's it. He has uh, others, but we don't care and we don't have time. <laughs> Ken and I are going to recast the top five characters from The Graduate as if the movie was being remade today in 2018. And we'll probably talk about how you would do this in this I climate. Mean, it's specifically what to do about Dustin Hoffman. Um, <laughs> what to do about Dustin Hoffman? In the movie and in real life. What do we do about him, guys? <laughs> but before Mr. that. Mr. Magorium? What do we do about him? <laughs> Before that, we got some reboot news to get to. Kenna, why don't you take it away? Guys, I really just have two words for you. Double dare. (laughs) That's right, guys. They're remaking the 90s classic Double Dare. This has nothing to do with our podcast. No, this is just nostalgia. Yeah, it's pure nostalgia. We were a little light on reboot news, which never happens. Maybe they're listening and they're learning. (laughs) They're, they're Hollywood Somebody is self-reflecting. <laughs> everybody has heard our podcast and everybody is like, you know what? We could tone it down a I'm little. I'm imagining um, a board meeting of all these like movie executives and then an intern speaks up and <laughs> is kind of just like, hey, you guys realize that all these movies have been made before? Yeah. You realize that there's nothing new happening? And they're all like, oh my God. We didn't. Oh. Well, why, why would we do that? <laughs> All right, let's talk about Double Dare. Okay, so... What are the deets about the reboot? Uh, really no deets. We don't even know... <laughs> we don't even know if Mark Summers is going to come back to host. Is he alive? Yeah, right? He's hosting that show on the Food Network where they show you how oh. they make the food. So all of the shows? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark Summers hosts... By definition of the Every single <laughs> show on the Food Network. Um... <laughs> If there are any younger viewers out there who have never seen Double Dare, uh, I would I would recommend YouTubing many oh, episodes. Yeah, yeah. It was basically an excuse for kids to rummage around in slime to find prizes and, and win money. The 90s were really a heyday for kids game shows. These two teams are in the dark trying to catch ping pong balls by clashing their symbols. Whoever catches the ball first will symbolize silliness with 20 bucks and control of the show that never clashes with good taste. Yes, it's Double Dare. Kenna is crying. <laughs> Literally tears are falling out of her eyes as she describes the 90s in a wistful and reverie of the Clinton administration. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. See, that's why this can't be a visual podcast, because I'm just constantly crying (laughs) from my from 90s nostalgia. No, but it's it was a cool show, along with like 
guts and uh, figure it out. And you were just describing some crazy coked um, out game show called Finders Keepers. Finders Keepers, yeah. Um, there was also that show where like kids uh, jumped into like video games. Like there were so oh, many cool, yeah. fun ways for kids to win trips to space camp. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited that a new generation of children are going to get to slide through those like slimy tubes stick their hands up a big giant nose. Oh yeah. Dig through stack of pancakes or like a PB and J to find a mm-hmm. flag. I mean, there's really nothing like it. After Double Dare came out, they didn't they come out with Family Double Dare? Yeah. 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 I always had, had questions about those. I always was suspect of those families. Really? They th- I always felt like one one family was not as happy as they were seeming they were. <laughs> like there was always one dad who was just like really like they're on vacation at uh, Nickelodeon at Universal Studios Orlando, and <laughs> and to win the approval of his children, he and brings the kids them to are like, game show. yes, we're gonna do it. And the mom's like, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be so much yeah. fun. But then, like a lot of high school resentment that the father mm. holds is like coming out. A lot of inadequacy. Oh, well, it's a while. I can't really remember a lot of the details, but that was just sort of the overall gleam I got from Family <laughs> Double there. Well, we'll see whenever this game show is rebooted. Um, but more to the point of this movie podcast. Yeah, we know why you're here. Let's talk about the new Robin Hood trailer that dropped. In the film, Robin of Loxley, played by Taron Egerton, is a crusader who seeks to spark a revolt against the English crown. Determined to inspire commoners to rise up against the corrupt royalty, Robin seeks guidance from his Moorish commander, Jamie Foxx, Moorish, oh god! <laughs> With whom he endures physical training and begins using his signature bow and arrow. Um, so this trailer dropped the other day. I checked it out. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. For some reason, I mean, like I, I wanted to hate it, but at the end of it, I somehow didn't hate it. It's a very like Guy Ritchie on speed version. It's been whispers. got our commoners looking up seeing hope he's obviously well trained you flatter him he's a smash and grabber nothing more who do you think the thief is he's not you are you sure Robin Hood, when he's in the Crusades, is dressed like he is in like current day Afghanistan. Yeah. It's really strange. Did you see – well, t- two things. One, did you see the last Robin Hood, Ridley Scott's Robin Hood? Yes, starring Russell Crowe. Yeah. I was wildly disappointed in that movie. I don't remember any I of it. I didn't even remember that our boy Oscar Isaac was in that what? movie. He was um, – mm, Tip, 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 tip. He was um, not King John. No, King John, yeah. He was King John? How how do these new characters pan out? Because I'm seeing names like, okay, I'm seeing names like Jamie Dornan playing a character I don't know. Ben Mendelsohn is playing the Sheriff of Nottingham. Name we do know. See, they don't call out Jamie Foxx's Little John, but that's how he's credited. How do we feel about this casting? Um, I, I'm, of, I, I'm really conflicted because I love every person that's in this movie. Yeah. But the way that they're used and the way that they're... Oh, this was the, to my second point. Did you see Guy Ritchie's King Arthur? Yes. It was the world's longest movie. And that's all I got. <laughs> End of sentence. Yeah, it, it really hadn't, it didn't really have any, nothing of importance happened in that movie. I mean. So that's why I'm worried about this. It had that same kind of like, look how we updated this yeah, like fairy tale. Yeah, like it looks really cool, but. But what it, there was no it? soul under it. And that's why. I'll say this for King Arthur. Because I do think that Charlie Hunnam is incredibly watchable. And I I genuinely enjoy him. And it had Jude Law in it. So I'm not going to talk it down too much because mm-hmm. he's a genius. But it was so incredibly lengthy that there was just a point, I think, where you were like, how long have I been sitting in this theater? <laughs> like, it, like, it's like cast a spell on you. You're like, what am I doing sitting here? You saw it in theaters? Yeah. Oh. This is going to... Okay. Dude. I, VOD. I, I saw it in theaters and it came out the weekend of my birthday. And so I distinctly remember like going to have like brunch with some friends and afterwards my friend being like, let's go to the movies. And you so, saw Guy Ritchie's King Arthur <laughs> for your birthday. 
that's just the kind of person I am. I saw Star Trek Generations for my birthday, but I was 12, so... Wait, which one? Star Trek Generations? It's one with Kirk and Picard. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Captain of the Enterprise. That's right. Close to retirement? I'm not planning on it. Let me tell you something. Don't. Don't let them promote you. Don't let them transfer you. Don't let them do anything that takes you off the bridge of that ship because while you're there, you can make a difference. Come back with me. Help me stop Sauron. Make a difference again. Who am I to argue with the captain of the Enterprise? So I hope better of Robin Hood because I hope these I mean, guys it, aren't being let down. A, it does look really cool. It does, which but, is strange. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There was like a James Bondiness to it when she's like, <laughs> I think it was Maid Mary. Who I think she's supposed to be the Maid Marian character says something like she finds the hooded man attractive. And then which Taryn Edgerton is who does it? <laughs> Taryn Edgerton is like he could be me, and then it comes, she's like, "Bitch!" <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, that's all the news that we have this week. I don't know what Hollywood. What's going on with Hollywood? Maybe they're off making all the other reboots that we are. I don't know. I feel about. like they've put us off. We're like, what do we do if we don't have to get through seven movies <laughs> in this podcast? <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into the reboot. Kenna, why don't we hit them with the rules? Okay, this is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. Get your computer open, your phone out, open up IMDb, get ready to look up some names. Not really sure how you're going to fare with this one. I think I went pretty general, but um, yeah, there might be some new new faces you might want to look up. Also, if you haven't seen this movie, how do we feel about recommending it to people? <sighs> I, I would say find someone who has seen it. And have them describe it to you. And have them describe it to you. Or maybe see the play. Here's the thing. It is, uh, it's a classic. That's riddled with some contemporary issues. Yeah. That we'll get to. So if it's one of those movies that you're like, man, I've never seen it. Pause us. Go watch it. It'll inform this a whole lot more. Okay, guys, we have three rules. The first rule, as always, is we're not going to do any remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. Shortly, we're going to be breaking this once again. But while we're not, we'll let you know that we won't be doing a movie that's already been redone in the last 20 years. Also, we're cutting ourselves off at movies that are rumored. And if they haven't had any forward movement in the last two years, we're going to make it fair game. We're going to do it. So... Get ready sequel that or remake that has what am I saying? I don't know. We could just read the rules and Okay. Press on. Number two. Our Dreamcast must include actors that are alive and working today. Probably lots of people in this movie are dead. That's okay. Um <laughs> the third rule. It's no tender casting. We can't cast somebody just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. How do we feel? I feel excited. Let's Ready? talk about this movie. Yeah. Guys, let's get into our reboot of The Graduate. <laughs> oh boy. Mrs. Robinson? Yes? It's Benjamin. Benjamin, where are you? I got a single rule. That's fine. But there's one thing. The desk clerk seemed to be a little bit suspicious. Now, I don't know what the policy is. Well, do you want to go up first? Yes, I think that would be good. I'll be up in five minutes. Oh, goodbye then. Benjamin. Yes. Isn't there something you want to tell me? To tell you? Yes. Well, I want you to know how much I appreciate this. Really. The number. What? The room number, Benjamin. I think you ought to tell me that. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's 568. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll see you later, Mrs. Okay, so the characters that we're going to recast today are Ben Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman. Mrs. Robinson, played by Anne Bancroft. Elaine Robinson, played by Catherine Ross. Mr. Robinson, played by Murray Hamilton. And Mr. Braddock, played by William Daniels. We were going to do... Um, What's his name? Elaine's Carl. Car- Carl, Carl Elaine's fiance. I thought he had a bigger part. He's literally in this movie for maybe like six minutes. It's super fascinating sometimes when we're picking people to do these, to do the recasts because they're just not like they're in some movies there are like three big characters yeah. and then everybody else is a bit part. Yeah. Small, small fry. So. 
All right. I guess we should talk about the sexual assaulting elephant in the room. Okay. One being the story of this movie. Yeah. The other being the current allegations against the star of this movie. Mm -hmm. So if you're not aware, very recently, a variety report came out in December of last year detailing three separate accusations against Dustin Hoffman, uh, accusing him of exposing himself to a minor and assaulting two women. So that whole lens of today's Hollywood has now, you know, this movie cannot be seen without that lens of yeah. of today's Hollywood. Yeah. In this movie, there are moments where an older woman does, in fact, take advantage of a young man. Would you say that there are also moments in this movie where that very same young man takes advantage of her daughter, maybe emotionally? Okay, here's the thing. Mrs. Robinson is a predator. Like, her behavior at the beginning of the movie is predatory. Mm -hmm. That's pretty straight up. The story that follows in which Ben falls in love with Kat... Her name's not Catherine. Her real name's Catherine. Ben falls in love with Elaine. I don't entirely know how to describe it. Because they... Like, there is no time for feelings to form. There's no time for a relationship to happen. And he is... He immediately... Decides he's going to marry her and stalks her. To the to the point where he has already decided he's going to marry her. Yeah. Not that he likes her, but that they're going to get married and have a future together. Yes. We've got to call the Robinsons. We've got something to celebrate. No, I think you'll want to wait on that. Oh, they don't know. No, they don't. Well, when did you decide all this? About an hour ago. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you talked to Elaine this morning? No, she doesn't know about it. Uh, you mean she doesn't know that you're coming up to Berkeley? No, actually, she doesn't know about us getting married yet. Well, when did you two talk this over? We haven't. You haven't? Ben, this whole idea sounds pretty half-baked. No, it's not. It's completely baked. It's a decision I've made. Well, what makes you think she wants to marry you? She doesn't. To be perfectly honest, she doesn't like me. Now, I, I had that same exact thought. Like, this first date needs to be four days long for that really to make sense. Or honestly, they could have been on – it could have been like three or four little dates Mm -hmm. that sort of led us to the boiling point of Mrs. Robinson being like, I'll tell her. If you – like, like we just could have extended their quote-unquote relationship a little bit more so we have a better understanding of – how they feel about each other. I agree because there were also moments in this movie where they were opportunities to introduce Elaine. And they oh, can be yeah. like, Elaine's coming home in a couple weeks. Elaine is coming home next week. I think you should give her a call. Elaine is coming home tomorrow. I think you should give her a call. Elaine is And then home. she never came home then, until like three <laughs> months yeah. later. And I kept being like, she should be here now. Yeah. But we also have to remember that The time in which this movie was made Mm -hmm. and the base in which it was – the book in which it's based off of is – I feel like it's from a different time and a different culture and class of American society that maybe we are not – we will never be a part of or maybe really fully understand. So like the marriage proposal, I wonder if that was still something that was seen as common in the early 60s. Where Hmm. it was just something you did after you got a degree or after your education or after you started a career. The whole tone of this movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, is basically a boy is adrift in the world that he's now about to enter. Yeah. And so he has an affair with an older woman who happens to be the wife of his father's business partner. Mm -hmm. He then end up, quote unquote, falling in love with their daughter. Yes. And it the complications of the relationships uh, as they move forward once the secret is out. It sounds so tame, though, to be like complications. Like, it's it's insane what happens next. Yeah. That he takes it upon himself to find her at school. Well, how about this for a coincidence? I was wondering where you were headed. I'm meeting someone. Ah, where? Where are you meeting this person? At the zoo. The zoo. They have a pretty good one here, do they? I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh, well, I haven't either. I might just ride out there with you. 
there's just so much happening that it's like if everyone would just calm down and get to know each other a little bit, <laughs> we would be in a completely different place. Right. This whole thing could have been avoided if Elaine just comes home quicker. Yeah. I feel like. If there was more of a like flirtation of like, hey, like I'm having an affair with the mother, but I think I have real feelings mm-hmm. for her daughter. All right. Well, why don't we get into the recast? Because I feel like we can dissect this a little bit more. Yeah. So Ben Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman, um, this character, I'm, I'm going to try for the rest of this podcast to separate out Him Mr. Hoffman's yeah, yeah, yeah. allegations. That being said, Ben Braddock's a creepo <laughs> and like possibly a sociopath. There is a look in his eye almost all the time that is a mixture of fear and confusion and uh, curiosity that is like it's like being it's like being leered at in a weird way. Absolutely. And underneath that, I felt like there's this just a cauldron of anger. Yes. Not so much at like the women in the movie, but just in life. See, that's the I was watching the very end of this movie with my roommate. And I feel like we had a little bit of a talk afterwards where she was like, I just don't understand what's going what's going on with their faces. And I was like, well, like the whole story is about how he doesn't know what he's doing with his life. And so he starts to have an affair with an older woman because she offers herself like it's something to do. It's a way to occupy himself. It's another step he can take. And it's so you see that like under the surface thing sort of bubble up consistently and then get shoved back down. So this character is really strange and very unheroic. Although every bit that he had in the hotel, I can't separate hotel. (laughs) Like I can't separate the actual Dustin Hoffman story from this guy. But there's a story about a hotel, but every like moment in the hotel that Ben is goes to where he's like trying to get the room Uh i I do think is like pretty great comedy yeah yeah that's what's so hard about this notion of like he's so paranoid that the desk clerk like knows he's doing something and like but he's not like he's he's paying for a room the desk clerk is like okay sir (laughs) (laughs) um so i'll go first so i was trying to find an actor who was a little younger than Hoffman was when he made this. Hoffman was 30 years old. Yeah, he looks like a child, but he was 30 years old. He was 30 years old. Um, and Ben is supposed to be 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And there is an actor I've been dying to cast <gasps> on this pod. Oh. So I was like, I'm using him. I'm going for it. I picked Lucas Hedges uh, from yeah, Manchester yeah. by the Sea and Three Billboards and Lady Bird. I mm-hmm. think he is excellent. And I think he has more personality than Ben does in this movie. And I think for a modern version, I don't think millennials are so repressed about their lives today as maybe they were in in the early 60s. Yeah. So I think there can be more to Ben than just that glassy, unknowing stare. Mm -hmm. There's a different kind of like frantic energy now Mm -hmm. of like leaving college and not really knowing what you're going to do. It's not that like... I mean, granted, if we're all in the same uh, socioeconomic stage, it's possible that he would be like, I'm just going to go sleep at my parents' house for the summer and figure my life out. But it it does look, it's a similar thing, but it looks totally different for kids now. I've had this feeling ever since I've graduated, this kind of compulsion that I have to be rude all the time. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's like I've been playing some kind of game, but the rules don't make any sense to me. They're being made up by all the wrong people. No. I mean, no one makes them up. They seem to have made themselves up. Who'd you got? Um, I also was taken aback when I found out Dustin Hoffman was that old because I feel like he pulls off sort of an, a weird, like, innocence in a way that I was like, wow, 30 years old. Um, so I also picked someone who's 21. Um, I picked Ty Sheridan. Who yeah. recently appeared in Ready Player mm-hmm. One? I I'm interested in Ty Sheridan as an actor. I wonder. I'm always curious, like what his career might be, because he started out on that Brad Pitt, Terrence Malick movie as like a kid, mm-hmm. and then he was in like one of the X Men movies, yeah, and then he was in Ready Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. He does have the persona of like plucked 
by Spielberg to be in a in it. Like yeah. it's a very. But to me, he, he he strikes me more as an indie actor. Yeah, because he's a little quiet. He's a, he's very thoughtful. Thoughtful, yeah. I can't remember where what podcast I was listening to that he was a guest on, and I always find it super interesting when actors who aren't like comedians are like interviewed for things like that because sometimes Mm -hmm. they can be super weird and he just seemed very like very quiet which for somebody who is like 21 prime of your life super successful on to great things i was like "Eh, this kid's got some stuff going on under the surface probably yeah i just hope whoever plays ben today would be a little less waxy that's yeah yeah you know what i mean Please tell me uh, you put because I feel like when we talk about young people now, there's one name that's going to be on every list. Um, I don't know who are you. Timothy Chalamet. He crossed my mind. He wasn't on my list. <laughs> um, Mrs. Robinson. Mrs. Robinson. So there was a point at the beginning of the movie where I think it fully hit me what was happening, and I was like, "This is so." odd to watch because it is like reminiscent of like every single story we've heard about like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. The sort of pushy but making I mean doing the thing that predators do where they make you feel uncomfortable like they're not doing anything wrong but you're thinking something wrong because she's just constantly like stay no go here now go here take a drink. How could you how could you like how can you leave me like this? Yeah. How could, can't you just do one simple thing for me? And then when he's like, you're seducing me, she's like, what? Yeah. And then he's apologizing the yes. whole rest of the time. It is atypical sexual predator. Oh, God. Oh, let me out. Don't be nervous. Get away from that door. I want to say something first. Jesus Christ. Benjamin, I want you to know that I'm available to you. And if you won't sleep with me this time. Oh, my Christ. If you won't sleep with me this time, I want you to know that you can call me up anytime you want and we'll make some kind of an arrangement. Oh. Did you understand what I Let mean? me out. Benjamin, did you understand what yes, I Yes, yes, let me out. I find you very attractive. Anytime you want, you do. Oh, Jesus, that's him. What I was thinking about in that moment was not not how clairvoyant, that's the wrong word, but kind of spot on that behavior was. The portrayal, yeah. yeah. Like Mike Nichols, who was the writer of the book? Something Webb? Ooh, Charles Webb? If that moment was taken from the book, I think they nailed it, which speaks volumes to kind of how long this behavior... I feel like this podcast is slowly becoming a very special episode of The Boot. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> On this very special episode of The Boot, Cherry we gets locked about... in the fridge. You know? <laughs> um, um, okay, so I'll I'll say this about Anne Bancroft. She's stunning, mm-hmm. and she is... Uh, she's a little scary, but she's also... There's like an odd humor to... Like every time that we would meet her when the Robinsons were hanging out with the Braddocks, and it was like, oh, these are your parents' friends... There was just this like look that she would give and I'd be like, that's amazing. So mm-hmm. subtle and beautiful, as problematic as the character is. And so someone who I felt sort of embodied that and would make a really sort of like slinky, sexy kind of cat like Mrs. Robinson would be Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I considered her too. That's weird. <laughs> it's, yeah, she's great. Kate Blanchett could navigate these waters magnificently and I would uncomfortably watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, at the beginning of this movie, I, this is the second time I had seen it. I really felt like the first half of this movie, Mrs. Robinson, was probably the most sympathetic character. Hmm. When Ben forces her to tell the story of right. of how she met Mr. Robinson, you realize that it's like a completely loveless shotgun wedding Mm -hmm. because she got pregnant with Elaine and forced to leave any happiness in her life behind. Mm -hmm. Well, how did it happen? What? You and Mr. Robinson. How do you think? I mean, did he take you up to his room with him? Did you go to a hotel? Oh, Benjamin, what does it possibly matter? I'm curious. We'd go to his car. No. In the car you did it? Well, I don't think we were the first. What kind of car was it? Oh, my gosh. Really? I want to know. It was a Ford, Benjamin. (laughs) A Ford? A Ford? God damn it, that's great, a Ford. 
So old Elaine Robinson got started in a Ford. I was like, oh, I this is a layer of this movie I never understood when finally Mrs. Robinson is like, don't you ever go on a date with Elaine? I like forbid you to do it. I was like, oh, I wonder if she actually is falling in love with Ben in some way. Like if she is mm. somehow hmm. falling in love with the prey that she's manipulated because it's something that makes her happy in a world that is, isn't happy. But then at the very end when Elaine confronts Ben about it and you realize that Mrs. Robinson basically lied about a rape. Yeah. That I was like, oh, God, no, she's evil. Also, I mean, it's like the fact that he has to force her to talk to him. Yeah. Like they, it is literally hit it and quit it. They're like meeting up for the physical act alone and that is it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's possible that it's just fulfilling some sort of like a, like a fresher need that her husband cannot fulfill, but I don't know if she fell in love with him at all. So you mentioned the trait about Mrs. Robinson in this movie where she's kind of, when she's with the couples, um, and then versus when she's alone with Ben. Mm-hmm. I never really got a distinction that she became someone different. And that to me was kind of weird. Like I never thought she was like hiding her actions really. When in the first instance when she comes on to Ben and then Mr. Robinson comes home and they have to have a conversation and she comes down and she just like immediately tells him to sit down. Mm-hmm. And then later when he's going on the date with Elaine and she's just like sternly watching TV. She tells him that he she's incredibly angry at him. I was kind of like, I don't know how that, I mean, would you get away with behavior like that these days? So I picked an actress who I hmm. thought could maybe cover that part of her up a little bit more. Okay. I picked Diane Lane. I like that choice a lot. Diane Lane, uh, for those of you who might not know, I, <laughs> these are the two movies that were listed as to the top. Uh-oh. Unfaithful oh, with yeah. uh, Richard Gere. And Under the Tuscan Sun. Yes. But for our younger viewers out there. Classic Diane Lane. Classic Diane Lane. For our younger, younger viewers. Viewers? To our younger they listeners. They can't see us. Our younger <laughs> listeners out there. She is Clark Kent's mom. Ugh, if you, if that's what movies. you know Diane Lane from. Then watch more Diane Lane movies. Ugh. But I also was like, Diane Lane in a lot of her stuff is like very sexual. Like, hmm it's always like an affair or like an encounter or like a sexual kidnapping thing. But um, <laughs> like whatever this movie was. Classic sexual there was kidnapping. There a movie with Kevin uh, – with Mickey Rourke that I was very confused by. But I, I kind of wanted her to play a little more of that predator. Uh-huh. And I thought that she could really do it. No, Yeah, she's fantastic. Let's move on to Elaine. 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 Was there anything wrong with Elaine other than the fact that she let Ben stalk her and completely Ugh. manipulate when her? When she had like a turn and she was like, I kind of like you. Yeah. I was like, don't do that. Where he's like, Elaine. I want to marry you. And she's like, turn around. Oh, maybe. But then she kind of, oh God. Okay. So this is, she is also another example of teenagers in this world who just don't know what they're supposed to do with their lives. Mm-hmm. When they meet they, and they actually go on the date after the whole strip parlor her oh, last yeah. show that oh, he forces boy. her to go to. Um, he starts talking. He's just the fi- first time Ben is finally able to communicate how he feels about leaving school to another person. And mm-hmm. it happens to be a contemporary of his. And she she understands it. She gets it. Yeah. Which is sort of why I think he falls for her. Mm-hmm. But then later when that turn happens and she sort of decides to be with him maybe, mm-hmm. she then also reveals that she promised Carl that she would marry that him. she might marry him. So like – what Ugh. the hell is going on there? Why don't you just drag me off if you want to marry me so much? Why don't I just drag you off? All right, I will. Right after we get the blood tests. I have to see Carl first. Carl who? Carl Smith. He's a medical student. We've known him for years. Who, that guy at the zoo? Yes. Why do you have to see him? Well, I said I might marry him. You what? I picked Olivia Cook from Thoroughbreds and Ready Player One. How do you like them apples? I'm not going to lie. I've cast her in something else previously. Mm-hmm. And so it was as much as I wanted to. And then mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't do that because I cast Ty Sheridan. As yeah, you can't just ben. steal I can't a couple. Just stick it. But um, I cast Haley Lou Richardson mm-hmm. for Elaine, who you might have recognized as one of the girls that gets kidnapped in Split. I gotta see Split. She's also Haley Steinfeld's best friend in a really lovely and charming movie called Edge of Seventeen, um, which I watched again a couple of weekends ago and was just really taken 
by this actress. And I was like, I think if we want sort of an all-American girl who who has the chops to give her a little bit of, give her some levels. Yeah. That isn't just sadness because he took her on a bad date. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for The Edge of Seventeen. So I'm going to say that this is a great choice. She looks, she definitely looks. Guys, like, watch Edge of 17. It's funny. I I mean, Haley Steinfeld can be a little much, but it's a really charming movie. And I have cried at the end of it both times <laughs> I watched it. No, my friend has been bugging me to watch it. She loved it too. Yeah. All right. I I can see it. Absolutely. What do you think about the end? The end is the, the big iconic moment. When Here's, he rushes to the church and they, they end up on the school bus and then they have that moment where their smiles start to like fade a bit. Yeah. I Here's how I interpret the ending is that ultimately the story is about a guy who is is bored. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just he's just overwhelmingly bored. He doesn't like you said, like he has so many options. He doesn't know what to do. And he's not ready to make a plan yet. And so when he starts to have this affair with Mrs. Robinson, it's his thing for the moment. Then this situation with Elaine arises and he's like, I have a new purpose. And the purpose is to pursue this woman. He does it all wrong, but somehow he ends up with her. And I think the look is him realizing that he's back at square one. Like, yeah, he has the girl, but that's it. Like he's oh, she's not going to make him happy. Yeah, he's still in the same place he was when he left school. He hasn't. He's given himself ways to be occupied, but no purpose. And so I think he realizes that ultimately this thing he thought was going to satisfy an urge only lasted a short amount of time. Yeah, um, I think you could say that about both of them. Yeah, because she's obviously playing some games. Also, yeah, and also this movie doesn't address what she wants. Yeah. She's only viewed in the context of an object to be possessed by Carl or Ben. So, or her parents. Or her parents. So you could probably extend that to the fact that she also doesn't know what to do with her own life. Yeah. So there they are sitting on this bus having no clue what to do now together. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I okay. feel like we're trucking through this, but also it, <laughs> it feels like a – I hope this is enjoyable. I feel like we're forcing you to do math. <laughs> I'll say this. If I had to hear Scarborough Fair one more fucking time in this movie, I was going to blow my brains out. The movie begins and ends with the sound of silence. (laughs) Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. It was was so depressing. No. Mr. Robinson, played by Murray Hamilton. I didn't realize how funny Mr. Robinson was in a lot of this movie. Like in the confrontation scene, he was hilarious. My favorite line of his was when he was like, you need to sow your wild oats. And then immediately after was like, hey, my daughter's coming home in three weeks. I was like, uh. (laughs) Well, I wonder if that's the sort of thing that like the one percenters do where they just sort of join houses like in Game of Thrones. You have a son. I have a daughter. We'll join our houses. (laughs) You know what I mean? Huh. That's disgusting, but it's probably true. My favorite part was when after the confrontation with Ben, he scrambles across the bed because he thinks Ben is going to fight him. (laughs) Yep. What happened between Mrs. Robinson and me was nothing. It didn't mean anything. We might just as well have been shaking hands. Shaking hands. Well, that's not saying much for my wife, is it? You missed the point. I guess I do. The point is I don't love your wife. I love your daughter, sir. All right, now listen to this. I don't know whether I can prosecute, but I think I can. I think I can get you behind bars if you ever look at my daughter again. I've seen Elaine, and I've made damn sure you can't get to her. Stay away from me, Ben. I don't want to mince words with you. As far as Elaine is concerned, you're to get her out of your filthy mind right now. And so when I watched that, I was like, oh, no, I have to pick someone who has sort of a sense of humor that would Mm -hmm. do that. So I picked Stanley Tucci. (laughs) The Tooch is loose in Brian's remake. (laughs) I love the Tooch. And if if you don't know who the Tooch is... Let me hit you with some movies. Excuse me. You don't know the most versatile actor our generation has been graced with? Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Hunger Games. Yes. Captain America. Yes. 
the one where he's a brother and is cooking a big Italian meal. What? I forget. They make Il Tempano, but I forget what the... Hmm. Yeah, those were the only three that I could remember. Yeah, I picked the Tooch. I love Stanley Tucci. I reached into the Mad Men pool to get my Mr. Robinson, and I picked, I hope that this is what you think it is, John Slattery. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so weird. Um, Oh. Okay, I'll break it down for you, because... You guys can only hear us, but as she was saying this, I was rocking out as if this was the pinnacle song of a concert that Uh, I had been waiting for. Fist in the air, John motherfucking Slattery. The Silver Fox. Oh, yeah. I love that pick. I Damn it. I love him. Mm -hmm. Like, there will be so many times when, if you've never seen Mad Men, first of all, amazing show. Um, but Roger Sterling is one of the funniest parts. He gives it so much heart. Mm-hmm. He is he's great in dramatic moments. He's he's just so fantastic. But obviously he's done other things like he uh, was Tony Stark's dad in the Iron Man movies. Yeah, a lot of a lot of 60s stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I have nothing bad to say. I'm jealous that I didn't think of him. Kudos. Thank you. All right, Mr. Braddock. This one was played by. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. This one was hard because of because Mr. Of the Feeny Factor. Uh, the Feeny Factor. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Feeny from Pause Blue for the Feeny Call. So, yeah, this one was strange. I, I, I didn't think Mr. Braddock was a bad guy. I just thought he was, you know, a parent who wanted to see their kid be a little more self-starting, I guess. Yeah. The Braddocks were had this energy of like, they don't know much about what's going on in their son's life, but they're concerned about him. Ben, what are you doing? Well, I would say that I'm just drifting here in the pool. Why? Well, it's very comfortable just to drift here. Have you thought about graduate school? No. Would you mind telling me then what those four years of college were for? What was the point of all that hard work? You got me. Now listen, Ben. I think it's a very good thing that a young man, after he's done some very good work, should have a chance to relax and enjoy himself and lie around and drink beer and so on. But after a few weeks, I believe that person would want to take some stock in himself and his situation and start to think about getting off his ass. And so there's this weird energy of, what are you doing? What's going on? Make sure you call Elaine. (laughs) Make a date, which I swear. I think they were trying. Yeah, If somebody, if my parents had been like, you have to do this like that, I would have been like, this is creepy. What cult? Like, I wouldn't have been shocked if at the end of this movie there was a Rosemary's Baby moment where they walk into a room and everybody's like, we've been planning it all along. I really think that they had a deal under the table. I really do. I think... Mr. Robinson and Mr. Braddock were like, let's make let's an heir to our business. <laughs> Whatever business Which it was. is not my son or your daughter, but their, their child. child. yeah. Um, okay, I'll go. I picked for my Mr. Braddock, Steve Carell. Uh, that's a pretty good pick. I thought about him, but I had already used Steve Carell. In Titanic, <laughs> very inappropriately. No, no. <laughs> No, specifically for a reason. Um, but I also did pick a comedian too, so I'm glad that you picked someone. Because he, ha- there is this like weird. There's a frantic energy of. He, he, it's hard to pinpoint what his what his character is supposed to be. He's not funny, but I think having a comedian in that part would be beneficial. Yeah, I agree. Which is why I picked Alan Tudyk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. big fan. Yeah. Um, Steve the pirate. I think the the scuba scene is why I picked him. When he's forcing Ben to do something Ben doesn't want, but mm-hmm. is still trying to be jovial about it. Yeah. That's the scene I kind of like anchored myself on. And again, like I don't think Mr. Braddock is a bad person. No. I just think that he doesn't understand his kid. And, mm-hmm. I, and I wanted, you know, Tudyk maybe could – be someone who felt distant from his brooding pre-grad school son. And he also 
Was he in the Joss Whedon? No, oh, Joss Whedon. Let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> Let's not get into <laughs> Joss Whedon. Okay. Um, but obviously, it's it's difficult to replace William Daniels in our hearts. Yeah. And minds. And our schools. Yeah. He's there. Middle school. High, high school. school. College. Our kids' middle school. Was Feeney in Girl in Meets Girl World? Meets yes. He wasn't but, still teaching, was he? No, Corey's their teacher. Oh. Obviously, because he had such an impact on his life. Feeney. I feel like Feeney was my teacher. <laughs> he was everyone's teacher. Um, okay, guys, that was our recast of The Graduate. Why don't we get to where does Barry Pepper go? Uh, save us, Barry Pepper. Save us, Barry. Okay, so I, looking back, I couldn't remember which character this was, but I think it was Mr. McCleary and not Mr. McGuire, the mm-hmm. one who who tells Ben about plastics. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, because that's a cool, iconic moment. That's a great moment because you think he's going to give him the advice like, that will real send advice. Ben off into the world, and he just says that one line. Plastics. Plastics. I picked the gas station attendant where Ben asks for directions to Allen Street. <laughs> And I picked that role for a very specific reason, okay. which is to play this clip from Wayne's World 2. Where's the first Presbyterian church on Gordon Street? Gordon Street! Uh, Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Street! Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Gordon Street. Uh, I once knew a girl who lived on Gordon Street. But that was a long time ago, when I was young. Do we have to put up with this? I mean... Can't we get a better actor? I know it's a small part, but I think we can do better than this. And then they like wheel in Charlton Heston. <laughs> and yes! Charlton Heston like nails the line. Gordon Street. Oh, yes. Gordon Street. I once knew a girl who lived on Gordon Street a long time ago when I was a young man. Not a day passes I don't think of her. And promise I made, which I will always keep. One perfect day on Gordon Street. That's uh, five blocks up, two over. Thank you. So I put Barry Pepper in there because I kept thinking in my head, I'm sorry, I know this is a bit part, <laughs> but, but we, we could, could do, do better than this. That's cute. Okay. Um, any more notes on this movie? Here's what I'll say about The Graduate in closing. The first time I watched it in film school, I think in undergrad, I think I was watching it with a completely different perspective and the perspective of it being a well-made film, maybe not a well-told story is what I had stuck with for a while. And so I'll say this, it's, it's a very visually compelling movie. Yeah. Um, I would say I had this thought during the scuba scene where I thought you could watch this entire movie without any sound and it would be like they're telling the story yeah. really well visually. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really stunning because that's not often that a movie. I, I thought it moved quickly. It was interesting. Yeah. It was just ultimately a little dated, a little weird. It has very poignant and beautiful moments in it still mm-hmm. and you're right the camera work of the the movie the cinematography of the movie is is great mm-hmm. um and i think the movie still deserves the accolades that it had that it won yeah in its time but i wonder what the legacy of this movie is going to be now going forward if we can get back into the present day and we see what has happened in our culture, mm-hmm. specifically also with the actor that's in this role, I wonder what is going to happen to this movie as time goes on. Yeah. Will it kind of fall away from these like greatest lists that it's been on for so long? Or will we kind of put it in a box and put it in a shelf and just be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't talk, talk about, about that. that one. Yeah. So that's what I'm kind of interested in seeing. As time progresses, that's what I'm really interested in. <laughs> so, like, it's I, the graduate. As I time am progresses. waiting. No, but, edge of my yeah, seat. I, I, I do wonder how we're going to remember this film because after yeah. after I watched it, I just I just thought of how weird mm-hmm. and uncomfortable this movie was. Not just because of Dustin Hoffman, but because of the, these characters don't yeah. seem to make choices that make 
any logical sense in today's world. Mm -hmm. So that's all I had to say. And um, again, if I hear Scarborough Fair literally one more time in my life, I'm going on a full rampage. (laughs) A minimum of like nine times in that movie. When it started, and uh, here's an interesting question, because when it started and it was like music by... Uh, Simon Garfunkel I was like oh right and then by the end I was like oh boy who who today would make the soundtrack for a movie like this oh great question because it we are they singing the song they're singing the Simon and Garfunkel songs or it's like all new songs no let's sing new songs because we have (laughs) Migos I mean that is such a thing though now of having like creatives curate the soundtrack yeah. Um, with like Kendrick Lamar and Jay Z. I'm gonna throw two options for real, and I want to okay. see w- what you think. One, Kid Cudi, because he suffers from clinical depression and <laughs> often talks about it. Like okay, his life, you know. The other one is a little more obvious, but Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. Mm, I'm not Saddle Creek super label. familiar, but. I feel like even going slightly more mainstream, you could hire somebody like Adam Levine to curate the soundtrack for a movie like this. And Adam it would work. Levine. Yeah, 100%. Don't you think he's a little too poppy? A little no. too up? Because I would say someone in the vein of like Ed Sheeran, but he's too poppy. The National? Maybe like a James Bay. I don't know James Bay. Hmm. This ain't a movie podcast. Well, <laughs> we're all gonna be like, "Who's this? Who's this? Who's this?" Yep. Okay, guys. Well, uh, I I hope you stuck with us. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and I hope if you put us on and just didn't pay attention, you found out what you wanted to do with your life, and uh, it wasn't and it wasn't having an affair with your dad's friend's wife or stalking a woman. Those are two things we do not condone. That's right. Kenna, where can the people find us? Please find us. Okay, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us on social media together as this podcast, uh, which Brian posts on all the time, at The Boot Podcast <laughs> on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find me on social media at Kenna Trent, all one word. You can find Brian on social media at Flynn B. And... If you like this podcast, please check out our other podcasts, subscribe, rate, tell your friends about it, and we'll see you next time. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson, heaven holds a place for those who pray.